This is Soundtrack, a podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kaya Leakty. All right, we're here with Ruth Bolkins. We're here in uh, Jenison, Michigan. We're just outside of Grand Rapids. Uh, how long have you been here in Jenison? Uh, 21 years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know that because my middle child is 21. Okay. Yeah, we so moved right here right after time. Ethan was born. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have three kids. Mm-hmm. And Matt, who you're married to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you didn't grow up here in Grand Rapids. You grew up in a little town called Linden, Washington, mm-hmm. near the uh, border with Canada, uh, near Bellingham. What was that like? Uh, well, it was a beautiful place to grow up. Um, the landscape was incredible, and we lived really between the water and the mountains. So, yeah, it was gorgeous. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second <laughs> too. But um, you're you're growing up with uh, music. Mm-hmm. Did that start with playing instruments? Yeah, I think because my parents were so fond of classical music and just played it in the house all the time, I was interested in playing an instrument. So I started playing piano uh, when I was in second grade, and then I picked up cello in the fourth grade. Uh, my school was a very small in a very conservative, uh, religious you know, part of the country. And I think that was partly why music was just a really big focus at the small school. So everyone was in choir or band or orchestra. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my experience. Nice. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what, what were some uh, things that it, it taught you about, like, a, like in terms of appreciating music? Mm-hmm. Well, I was reflecting on that, kind of preparing to talk to you today because I thought from a really early age, I was listening to some pretty complex uh, music. Yeah. And that became kind of normal to hear layers of melody, to hear kind of a storyline, um, to hear different instruments, almost like different voices. Mm-hmm. And we also went to a lot of live uh, orchestra performances. So my parents had season tickets to the Vancouver Symphony, and Vancouver was only like an hour away. Yeah. So that was our big city. And it's kind of remarkable to think about it that my parents did that. Um, but every year the season ticket packet would come in the mail and we kids would get to pick out a concert that we wanted to go to. So my parents had four tickets per okay. concert. So they always took a pair of friends. But we kids got to choose a concert and kind of be the guests with my mom and dad for one concert. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, it was probably pretty unique that I went to a big, beautiful concert hall and listened to symphony orchestra mm-hmm. when I was a middle schooler. Yeah. You know. Do you remember uh, any of the, the shows that you saw? Well, because I played cello, I often picked out, you know, a night that they were having a guest cellist. Mm. So, one of the greatest cellists in the world at the time in the 80s uh, was Mstislav Rostropovich. Okay. So I chose that concert when he was coming to be the guest. And we actually went backstage and met him too. Oh, what was that like? Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, as a kid, you're just kind of in awe. Right. So it's like, 
hand your program over, let them sign it, and yeah, and be wowed by it, you know, and then go home later and listen to that recordings of that artist and think that you actually were like in the same place, right? Which is pretty cool. Yeah, how is classical music? Uh, how is it still something that resonates with you today? Um. I recently went with my mother here in Grand Rapids to a symphony and I hadn't been for years and years and I realized how much that had just kind of dropped out of my life listening to orchestra music mm -hmm. and um, it was kind of like going back and hearing it for the first time again and watching live performance you know was something that I think just really gives you such an appreciation for where music comes from um, so that that was neat. I, we're gonna do more of that. You and your mom. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any uh, anything in town that you know of? Well, we are actually going to go to a series of concerts. We got a subscription, my mom and me. Okay. Now that she moved here to Michigan, and we can go to concerts together. Yeah. So you know, my dad passed away many years ago. Something she's not been able to do either. For a long time so um, this year this fall we're going to start going to Grand Rapids Symphony together nice yeah uh, where's that located in DeVos Hall okay mm -hmm. that's what I thought but I, mm -hmm. I wanted to yeah. make sure yeah mm -hmm. cool yeah so that's uh, a little bit more of your childhood mm -hmm. we start getting into middle and high school this is prime mm -hmm. 80s yeah pop 84 to 88 yeah. in my high school years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous, first off, because I, I, I love 80s music. Mm -hmm. And I, it just, what was that like? Yeah. Um, well, it's fun now that things cycle around. Mm -hmm. And like your generation and my kids are starting to hear the 80s music. Yeah. And, you know, culture has a way of doing that. They know what they're doing. They're going to make the parents want to get back and buy the albums again. And right. The kids discover it. But it is kind of cool now to to hear those songs and think about the culture that we were in. Um, you know, the mainstream music in the 80s were big bands, big, big songs. When I think about, like, Van Halen, right. Poison, Brian Adams. Uh, Phil Collins, a lot of synthesizer, uh, drums, you know, big soloists. But subjects like the mainstream music that was popular, when I think about it, it was a lot of um, egocentric music. I mean, I was talking about relationships, about yeah. cars, sex, drugs, band stuff. Right. You know? Just kind of reinforcing experiences. If mm -hmm. you were a teen and you were listening to that music, it wasn't really offering you anything different. It was just, you know, same kind of culture you were in in high school. Right. It was kind of self-absorbed, right? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. <laughs> That's how I viewed it. I mean, I loved the music as a kid. And, you know, in my high school, it was a little bit like the movie Footloose. Okay. Which dates me also. Yeah. But you might know it. Um, yeah, you I'm know, so we, we did not have dances at the school on the school property. And we didn't have a prom. We were a small Christian school. We were allowed to have a banquet, dinner, 
at the school and then some parents had to chaperone the dance at another location and we got a DJ. Interesting. Yeah. So that was kind of the message I got about music growing up too. Yeah. It was like, kind of like, it's bad stuff that you're listening to, can't be done here. We know you're going to do it anyway. And then a few parents would volunteer and they were usually the cool parents, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a real separation of, you know, culture of school and town. Yeah. And kind of. What um, was actually going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like real, real culture. What are your, so what are your thoughts now as a, a parent on kind of that separation mm -hmm. that you, you encountered mm -hmm. as a teen? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I think my husband and I have gone in just the complete opposite direction. <laughs> and maybe every generation does that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what our kids decide to do. You there, know? There's actually uh, research that shows um, through history mm -hmm. of, especially in America, where parents tend to do the opposite yep. of what their parents did. Yep. And that's been the case ever since the Puritans. So it's just yes. this back and forth of uh, on, when it comes to certain situations, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would agree. I mm -hmm. think that mm -hmm. it's very much a yeah. opposite direction. Yeah, I think we pretty much listen to anything. And if our kids had questions, you know, we'd engage it, but it was okay if they didn't. I mean, age appropriate. We weren't playing music that had language in it or subjects that we didn't think they were ready for. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're kind of like, you know, it's out there and we don't want to hide it from you or make you feel um, like there's something about you that you can't share if you like a certain kind of music yeah. or a certain message. So, um, yeah, they grew up listening to a lot of our favorite stuff, which at the time was U2. Um, which worked out pretty well because they kind of got indoctrinated into like that music and the funny thing you know when you raise kids sometimes you get versions of yourself yeah um, for better or worse right um, <laughs> it worked out really well for us I feel like we have these grown like adults that are our friends and listen to the same music as we do yeah. um, to the point where we go to YouTube concerts together which is pretty fantastic right you know but um, in not hiding things from them, I think we would have allowed for them to like something different. And they do. They have you know, a wide range of interests and tastes in music. But it's really great that we have this commonality around a band that you know, we can listen to and go watch perform together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What uh, You kind of mentioned that you're, you're having discussions with your kids about... Um, Maybe a new you're introducing a new kind of music that may be pushing the limits mm -hmm. of what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. For example, and I'm 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 kind of speculating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. what are those conversations like? How do you how do you go about that? Well, I think a, a good example might be just a couple years ago, my daughter, who was like 14 maybe at the time. She, because of her interest on social media, got to know about an Australian singer-songwriter who had been a YouTube uh, sensation. And Troy Savon was someone she was suddenly really interested in, and I hadn't been hearing about him at all. Yeah. So she kept showing me things by him, and then she learned that there was going to be a concert in Detroit. 
And she's like, Mom, we have to go. We just have to go. And I could hear it in her voice that, you know, she felt the way about his music and being able to see him perform that I felt at that age about, you know, you too in particular. And I right. was like, yeah, we got to do this. <laughs> so I didn't know his music at all. I started to listen to it, um, started to learn a little bit more about him. And, and so we went together and he's about that time. It wasn't too much. I don't think before that, that he came out as gay and he's also really outspoken about his views. So he's quite political. Okay. Um, and that is a lot of uh, what resonated with her about him, that he stood for something. And I think that he was expressing himself in a way that didn't separate who he was from his art. Mm -hmm. And that I really wanted to support, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did. And I had no problem supporting it because I happened to agree with everything that he stands for. But, you know, if not, we would have talked about that. But... Um, what was what's been really exciting about it now that we've gone to a second concert of his and he's become you know really well known right. and in, he's also very influential and I like that my daughter can be involved with uh, musician celebrity activist right yeah. at her age remind um, you of anybody <laughs> yeah so <laughs> like I said we raised these like little versions yeah. of ourselves in some way, but totally different social and political and cultural landscape for her as a 13-year-old than it was for me. And hopefully she's in a household. I actually was very fortunate to be in a household with my parents that was atypical of the town that I grew up in, right. where my parents were open to talking about things. And they had very different viewpoints than the mainstream culture around them, even though they were part of it. Um, that's something we've tried to really do with our kids. So um, she can talk about, you know, anything in our house, yeah. right? And I learn so much because she's able to do that, yeah. you know? And so she's bringing to me all the time, oh, did you see what Troy said about this or whatever, which is cool. Yeah, that is. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. you mentioned a little bit on 80s music being... Uh, egocentric and mm -hmm. having this huge consumption from teens. Why? Mm -hmm. Why was that the case back then? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, I can only speak for like my experience in my small school in town, which was mm -hmm. a very small sampling of America at the time, and a very unique one, maybe. But I think. You know, and, and teens maybe in general are prone to just wanting to belong and fit in. And so everyone listened to whatever was being played on the radio. We were being told, you right. know, the top music, Casey Kasem, yeah. Sunday mornings, you know. And Counting down. Yeah, and when you think about it, like this is pre-Spotify, pre-iTunes, it's just the radio, right? right? And we bought vinyl. Like, I would drive to the nearest bigger town, university town, and go to a record shop and buy vinyls of you too, so that I'd have something to play at home. Mm -hmm. Or you'd wait and wait for it to play on the radio, have your little cassette tape, you know, ready, and <laughs> press record. record. That was how you got to hear your music whenever you wanted to hear it. You had to have some kind of recording. You had to have cassettes in your car, 
right? Mm -hmm. Or put your vinyl on your record player. So, yeah. <laughs> so I think our, you know, our scope was so limited. Now you can discover a lot of alternative artists, you know, because things are available. There's still a lot of, you know, um, economics at play. Right. But I think that was a big part of it. There were recording studios and they decided who to sign and who to play. Yeah. So let's talk about you two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about this. Uh, <laughs> well, it's something you and I have shared. Yeah. It's a big part of our friendship. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. Because mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've shared two shows together. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. 2015 in Chicago. And then yeah. 2017, uh, yeah. In, Chicago again, Chicago Soldier Field. Well. We did United Center. Yeah, United Center and Soldier and Field. Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'll, we'll get to those in a in a few mm -hmm. as well. But, uh, but do you? How did it happen? How did you two become uh, such a huge influence for you? Well. In the context, I think, of what I shared about my high school and my town, um, I was someone who didn't feel like I fit in, maybe partly because my parents didn't fit in altogether, you know? Um, and music like U2 really stood out as something different than what was mainstream, what was being played, what everybody was listening to. Right. Um, now there's so much more diversity, I think, in bands. I think it's expected, like I was using the example of my daughter and Troy Savon, it's expected that um, musicians have something to say and they are celebrities and activists and mm -hmm. have positions and they share so much more about themselves. But that was not the case so much. I mean, I guess Sting would be another example. Right. And I loved Sting. You know, I'd listen to him. Um, but there were very few bands that were about anything outside of, you know, the subjects like I mentioned. So Yeah. And you'd have a couple of examples of like Band-Aid. Yeah. Or, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, Live Aid. Yep. yep. And uh, We Are the yeah. World. Yeah. But, but it was, mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. just like this. It wasn't like, mm -hmm. I think what you see with Bono and you 2 where... Yep they were going to do it as uh, their own on, on like their own tour not just in a mm -hmm. let's all come together and yeah. sing a song yeah. kind of yeah. mm -hmm. like what the other examples are yeah. well and think of your typical 80s music video it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> you know that kind of tells you what it was about yeah so yeah I mean you two had a following that was really small in my school. I mean, I had a class of not even 90 students in my class, and there were like four of us that were U2 fans. Yeah. Right? And we were really bonded about it. But um, it was Joshua Tree album time, you know? U2 had certainly been doing other albums, but it took a while for that to come across the pond. Right. And Joshua Tree was really kind of their arrival on the American music scene to the point where we could learn about them yeah. a little more. So that was really my beginning point with you 2 And so I think the message of the music that was about things that were happening in the world, 
you know, social and political things. They yeah. had something to say. Um, and the whole landscape aspect of Joshua Tree really resonated with me. I loved the West. And here was a band that was like doing photography out at Joshua Tree and um, talking about talking the about, landscape mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. And then like writing music that was really artistic, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't just like chorus and then a few verses and big chorus again, and then you get a little more guitar solo and yeah. you're really cool. I mean, they were building music in a way that was different than other bands or maybe different than everybody. Yeah, I think, you know, what they did with the Joshua Tree and even like Unforgettable Fire mm -hmm. and, and Rattle and Hum, mm -hmm. nobody else was doing mm -hmm. in the 80s. Right. No one. Right. Musically. Nobody was trying to do the Americana kind of style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you see mm -hmm. in those albums. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's crazy that mm -hmm. it broke through. Yeah. In a, in a way. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it's that the fact that it was so different yeah. that made it break through. Well, yeah, and I think also you can't forget the experience of being at a U2 concert, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it was in the South, wasn't it? Um, where they did a big Joshua Tree concert and the response was so incredible. Like, it was just so sold out and people were lining up and I can't remember now what the reference point is for that, but... Um, they write music that when you're outdoors and in a big stadium kind of connects everybody together. Right. The music literally is kind of bigger than the audience and the circumstances. And mm -hmm. I think that also made them really unique and got them a huge following. If you experienced them live in that way, it was something really special. It wasn't just your like, um, fill a stadium, how loud can all the electric guitars be, <laughs> you know, how how can, much can the guys like throw their hair around and, yeah. With all and the drummer hair take over and then there's just like one vocalist, right? I mean, right. this was like also an ensemble, getting maybe back to some of my interest in classical music, you know, and these were young men that grew up in a school where they were learning about the structure of music mm -hmm. and they were singing parts and in choirs and and so they had that background too. And it was much more of an ensemble on stage where you felt like it was, you know, four musicians. Everybody had a part. Yeah. You know? So it was more interesting that way too. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you, if I remember correctly, you didn't get to see them. No, I missed out. Yeah. The concert that got away. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> Well, I've made up for it since then. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, these guys have stayed together. Oh, my word. Which is remarkable. I know. Um, and come back to the state so many times. So when they were doing the Joshua Tree tour just a couple years ago, that was my chance to finally get there. Um, yeah, so I missed out on the Joshua Tree. I think it was 1988. I think I was a senior in high school uh, in Vancouver. Like two or three of my friends went up. I didn't go there. We were told it was sold out. Okay. Right. And so they were driving up in hopes to get tickets, stand outside. I didn't go along. I felt like, oh, I'm going to be standing there and they're going to pay 50 bucks for their tickets. I don't have it. 
I'm going to be in Vancouver by myself for the night. Didn't really want to risk that. Yeah. So I wasn't the risk taker. <laughs> so I didn't go. And of course, they walked up and bought tickets for 20 bucks at the door and oh went word. in and had a great time. So, yeah, so I missed out. But the end of the story is really great because you two came back. They're doing the Joshua Tree uh, tour. We go to Soldier Field as a family. So this time it's five tickets, which is yeah. pretty awesome. Uh, plus our friends like yeah. you. <laughs> and my boys, you know, at what they were like 19 and 22. Yeah. They were down on the floor right in front of Larry Mullen Jr. Rocking out the whole time. We were like the oldies up in the, <laughs> you know, seats, the seats we could afford. They splurged or, or no, they didn't splurge. They paid less, yeah. but they waited a lot longer right. and had to stand the whole time. So I was, was feeling like my 90, age with was, that one. It was 90 it was plus degrees too. incredible. Yeah. To wait. Yeah. So I was feeling my age on that one. Like, yes, some decades have passed. But we still had great seats, and we were right up off the yeah. stage, and we could see you guys down on the floor the whole time, which was awesome. Right. What was that but like yeah. to finally yeah. to see that? Mm. I mean, you had seen them before. Yep. But to, yep. Ex I mean, because they do the whole entire mm -hmm. Joshua Tree album mm -hmm. along with, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, half a dozen more songs or so. Mm. What was that like to, to see that? kind of the production maybe but yeah. also just the fact to hear from mm -hmm. beginning to end yeah. the album yeah yeah I mean it just I think music is something that you attach so much of your life story to and your life um, emotions and history and time is kind of a funny thing to try and get your hands on so it's a little surreal to be in a stadium listening to music that I had listened to and discovered when I was 18 and I didn't know where my life was going to go, right? Yeah. And then to be in a stadium with my husband, my daughter, looking down, seeing my boys in front of the band and thinking this is like the best life ever, yeah. right? And it's really humbling. You just feel like a lot of a lot of grace and a lot of gratitude. Um, and I think also to a band that comes out, and I, I get strange, I get crazy connections to celebrity. I do. My kids know it. They make fun of me. But like, <laughs> you know, they know I'm in love with Bono. My yeah. husband knows it. It's fine. <laughs> so, you know, when he comes out and he's singing and you're in the same place in the world with this person who's created music that you've fallen in love with that's become a part of you. Right. It's really emotional, you know? So I shed a few tears at that concert. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know? Um, but it's also just, like, it's so incredible to hear it live. And I think, if anything, I've learned is, like, to go to concerts and, and listen. Like, when my daughter and I went to Troy Savon to be, of course, I was crying when he came out. She wasn't because of that <laughs> thing I do. But... Um, <laughs> It was so emotional, you know, because I think I just appreciate so much what someone's done, that they had something in them that they wanted to say and do and be and made it happen, you know. Yeah. And, and the lasting impact that that has on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. such a gift. And I think in particular, again, with you too, when I'm in a concert with them, you feel like 
this music is just such a gift to everybody. Brings people together. You know, it has this positive message to be there with my family and have my kids be hearing the message and the lyrics and the example. Right. You know, I'm really grateful for that. So, you know, that gets me emotional too, but no, it was incredible. It was one of the best nights of my life. That's it was awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I think it's more so for you. It's, it's it's fascinating to see how like that 30 year mm -hmm. time span can be so monumental in yeah. one's life just mm -hmm. for a simple album you know yeah but that's to, but true to, but it's more than simple you know yeah yeah i like how you put that that's yeah. true thanks mm -hmm. <laughs> talk about things and you like discover stuff yeah <laughs> what you you mentioned um there's like a bigness mm -hmm. to to you too. There's something about their message. Mm -hmm. What what is that more specifically? If there's listeners that don't know, mm. but why that um, is so important? Mm. Why you connect with that? Yeah. Well, I think there's different reasons that people listen to music or read books. Or look at art you know one reason is you want to be assured and have your own ideas and values and experience reinforced and there's a lot of comfort in that mm -hmm. maybe that's why we follow a lot of the same you know podcasts or writers editorialists or we want to kind of hear something that reassures us that yeah we we're right Right? And then there's another reason to look at art and read stories and have experiences and listen to music, and that's to hear something different, to be bigger than your own experience. Yeah. And I think that's what I wanted. It was my way of trying to figure out, okay, if I don't fit in this little town, I don't fit with this particular kind of culture and worldview, where do I fit? And so I looked somewhere else. And you too had a lot of uh, stories about what was going on in the world. I mean, apartheid yeah. spoke about that. Uh, they spoke about a lot of civil unrest. You know, they're growing up in Ireland and continued situation in Ireland. Um, and it translates when they come to the United States, you know, they share in their concerts too, they relate their music to some of the things we're experiencing here in our culture. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the edge mentioned that, um, it was crazy to him how they, cause, the it connected with, you know, 87, mm -hmm. how yeah. similar. Mm -hmm things had gotten in 2017. Yeah. It's crazy how like that can, mm -hmm. that can take shape, mm -hmm. take place. Well, and I think too, like a lot of artwork, um, I don't know if I can quite explain it, but there's a message there of love and acceptance and overcoming uh, differences and doing justice. Mm -hmm 
that they speak about that is always going to be relevant. Right. Whereas when we talked about the other 80s music that was very prevalent, it's dated now. Yeah. You listen to it and you're like, oh, it's great 80s music. Because it's about topics and um, the music of that time. It doesn't translate so much. There's a little bit of story about relationship and lost love. That's always going to translate. Yeah, that will always. You know, but now we have a lot of different ways of saying it, too. And it still seems kind of dated to think about the headspace of, like, male and female and heterosexual relationships. And that was pretty much what a lot of the music was about. And that doesn't translate as much now either to our experiences. So um, I think that's why also U2 is constantly relevant. Because they're talking about some, like, universal human themes. And we're learning more and more that history repeats itself. And we're still not learning enough, you know, from our experiences. And so we're still dealing with, you know, racism and uh, religious differences that pit one culture against the other, like Ireland. Yeah. You know, we're still dealing with um, our environment and groups of people that are marginalized, you know, uh, injustices around the world, it's all still happening. So the things that they felt strongly enough about to write about and sing about um, are still very relatable. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I guess along with that too, their message of hope inside it. I mean, on the one hand, it can be a little bit depressing to think, haven't we come further than this, you know? Or to feel like maybe things are worse in some ways. You know, when U2 comes to the United States and is on a tour and is encouraging us about freedom of speech, right? And dealing with oppression and racism, it's pretty humbling to think what America used to represent, right? Yeah. And that we need them to come and encourage us, right? And help us, so... <laughs> but again, there's that message of hope there, I think, that they have, yeah. too, we need to hear. So you, you move from Washington mm -hmm. to here mm -hmm. in, in Grand Rapids area mm -hmm. to go to school, mm -hmm. and that's where you met your husband. Yep. And now you have uh, three kids that we mm -hmm. were talking about earlier, and you've You've talked already about like with your your daughter and uh, with with Troy, but uh, what are some other things that you are interacting with your kids when it comes to music? Because that's a huge part right now mm -hmm. of what you're listening to. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Because uh, my boys are out of the house, you know? Yeah. I'm not always knowing what they're listening to, right? Um, but actually, they listen to a lot of podcasts and share a lot more now about um, social and political commentary, which is cool. Okay. So again, I feel pretty good about having introduced them to music that engages in that. I yeah. hope that's an example that they're following other artists, listening to music that's challenging, right. you know, and following um, people who 
are consistent in who they say they are and who they act like they are, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe it's a little more broad than musical now, you know, our influences and our conversations. Um, yeah. What, uh, what are some artists that uh, maybe you're listening to right now? Uh, um, oh, I love the Lumineers. Yeah. You got a new album coming out soon. Uh, so exciting. Love it. Next month. I yeah. Or, yeah. Just... Yeah. I, and of course, they opened for you too. That I was, gonna, I, I was that. introduced to them. I couldn't believe I showed up at that concert and I hadn't been listening to Lumineers. <laughs> My kids had been listening to it. Now I would have appreciated it so much more. Okay. I'd love to just go to a whole concert of them. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, and Florence and Machine was at the Michigan State Stadium. I got introduced to her yeah. through you two as well, so that's kind of cool. So um, that way, like her. That mm -hmm. makes actually I've been, yeah, three I concerts know. that we've shared yeah. together. Oh, we both, yeah. We were both at East Lansing then. Yeah. I don't know if I knew you then, though. No, no. No. I hadn't moved to Grand Rapids yet. Okay. So. But we were there, we were together, like you are <laughs> at a U2 concert. Of course. <laughs> that was my first show. Yeah, to mine see. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, that was great. Yeah. It was a bizarre stage. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a learning experience for me about like getting in the right position <laughs> in a football stadium for a concert, right? Right. We were kind of way out in the sticks, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Things you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love the Lumineers and. Um, Florence and Machine. Florence and Machine. Um, Billie Eilish. Yeah. She's kind of new. Love her. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what, what, what is it about her that you appreciate? I just, I guess I tend to love, like, a sincerity and a distinctness and a kind of earnestness in a voice. You know? Okay. Or, in, like, Lumineers are like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, Bono definitely is. I know. Without question. But what is it? Because, like, Billy has kind of a, I don't know what the technical term I should use, but mm -hmm. she's got a unique voice mm -hmm. of what she's doing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just why I like it right yeah. now. I'm not, I'm not much further than that. But, <laughs> <laughs> again, like, musically, she's doing something unique. Yes, yes. That's what I'm drawn to. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and maybe the throwback, another comparison, we haven't touched on him yet, but, you know, Johnny Cash was one of those people, too. Yeah. There's something, a different quality just in his voice and his message and his music. Right. It just kind of draws you in. Yeah. When did uh, Johnny Cash become somewhat of a... Uh, importance um I to think you, I, I heard my ears. yeah my parents liked him a lot okay yeah it was kind of of their era right so I had some exposure and then learning more about him watching the movie walk the line getting kind of more invested in his story and going back and listening to albums yeah. kind of that point of connection so yeah appreciating who he was at the time too right yeah Mm -hmm. uh, 
why why should we listen to music? Why why is it so important to, for us to mm -hmm. experience? Hmm. Um. Well, I could go back to what I said earlier. Sometimes you need to be reassured. I think in the world by a message um, and a voice that tells you what you already know. Sometimes you need to hear something different. You want to feel like there's something bigger, better out there. And I don't know what else does that in our culture, like music. You can take yourself to an art museum and stand in front of paintings and get some of that experience, you know? But there's something about music that can interface with your everyday life in a way that puts right. it right there and very present. And maybe it's omnipresent now with everybody, like not like it used to be, where I had to play the records, yeah. you know? But um, I think that's why, I think it's being, and maybe that's just my unique perspective, but I don't want to always just know my own life. I know that pretty well, and my own thoughts, you know, my yeah. own routines. I want something that elevates it or changes it or enhances it or brings beauty to it, mm -hmm. you know, every day. Maybe even question it. Yeah, right, right. And much like reading uh, books, you know, music, every song really puts you in somebody else's life, somebody else's story. Right. And what I've learned so far in life is I don't want to just be in my own story. I know that, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting to some extent to me. <laughs> but I find that the more I listen to other people's stories, you know, the better the world gets yeah. and the better able I am to engage and enjoy more levels of life than maybe just the level I'm on mm. you know so <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> yeah so I, I appreciate people who put themselves out there and do it you know yeah they have success I mean it's worked out really well for you too right right but I'm also intrigued by the fact that a lot of art, maybe all art, starts in a place where somebody doesn't know how it's going to turn out. And right. they meet a lot of obstacles. <laughs> and when you read the story of you 2 it's like a lot of artists, they ran into a lot of obstacles in times that they would have quit. Right. And there's like maybe one little turning point that gives you a break or sends you in a different direction. And something else happens, and you work really hard, and it becomes bigger. And I find that really encouraging too in my own life, you know, to be listening to a group that has obviously experienced that, you know, and you think, oh yeah, what will it be for me today? <laughs> Where's this going? Right. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, thanks Ruth for mm. doing this. It was great. And of course it was amazing to talk about you too. Yeah, so. thank you. It's a good subject, and thank <laughs> you for asking me to talk. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Leakty. If you like the podcast and want to know more, 
Check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.